Let's pray together. Lord, it is so good to sit at your feet, to listen to you speak through your holy word. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for speaking into our lives and to our deepest needs. And so we pray, Lord, that we'd be all ears and that our heart would be in it. Lord, we would read with a view to you making us new and whole people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we read the story of Jesus' encounter with a demon-possessed man who lived among the tombs in the land of the Gerasenes in the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And you may remember the man was a raving lunatic. He was totally out of control. The local townspeople tried to restrain him with chains. They wrapped him in chains for fear that he might hurt himself or other people. But apparently with superhuman strength, he broke those chains and he would drag them behind him. The man's problem was indicated by his name. For when Jesus asked him who he was, he replied, my name is Legion, which means many. A whole legion of inner drives and impulses and passions were, were pulling this poor man in 6,000 different directions and was literally driving him mad. This poor man was being tormented by many demons. He was suffering from a divided personality. He didn't know who he was. And so, as we saw, Jesus healed him, and he did so in dramatic fashion. For Jesus commanded the demons to go into a herd of pigs grazing nearby, some 2,000 pigs, who then proceeded to rush headlong down the steep slope into the, into the sea, and they were drowned. The story wonderfully illustrates Jesus' power over evil and the thoroughness of this man's healing. Because in the end, we find a once crazed man sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. Jesus is the one who makes us whole. But there's more to the story. I guess you might call this part two. And so we turn to Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. And after the pigs were drowned, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. You know, almost more amazing to me than this uh, amazing story of, of Jesus' miraculous healing, the demon-possessed man, is the reaction of the townspeople to the healing. Because you would think that they would rejoice that this man was finally healed. I mean, clothed in his right mind. I mean, that, that this man could now be restored to his family and to the community and, and that they would be free of a public nuisance in the town cemetery. So you might expect the story to end. And when all the townspeople saw the man sitting there in his right mind, 
they praised God and begged Jesus to stay with them just a few more days so that they too could enjoy Jesus' healing power. But of course, that is not the ending of the story. Instead, we read, and the people began to plead with him to leave their neighborhood. Yes, a man had been healed, but their pig business was ruined. I mean, 2,000 pigs. I mean, that's a lot of ham hocks and bacon. Now, to be sure, the Jews wouldn't be caught dead eating bacon with their eggs in the morning. But there was a strong demand for ham in the surrounding pagan countryside. But now, thanks to Jesus, the local economy was destroyed. Clearly, Jesus was a troublemaker, and he had to go. He was obviously disturbing their way of life. I mean, life in the village was peaceful and quiet until he arrived. And that's how it always was with Jesus. He always seemed to disturb the peace wherever he went. In fact, at one point of his ministry, Jesus admitted, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Wherever Jesus went, it seemed that trouble followed. He was always upsetting the routine. He was always turning over people's pet apple carts. He was always offending the religious leaders, the church people of the day. And he was making the comfortable uncomfortable. In his day, he was always stirring people up so that people either loved him or hated him. And it's the same today. Jesus Christ comes to us, the great disturber of the peace. So what is it about Jesus that so disturbs us? I mean, what does he do? Well, for one thing, he disturbs you and me by making us aware of all that we are not as human beings. In his holy presence, we become aware all the more so of our weaknesses and our inadequacies and our selfishness because his life is so pure, his love is so great, his faith is so deep, our first inclination is to say, oh, man, I'm not like that. It's kind of like Isaiah who caught a vision of the holiness of the Lord in the temple, who his first response was, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm not worthy to be here. So in the presence of Jesus, we become aware that we're not very pure, that we don't love very much, and our faith is not all that deep. And quite frankly, we'd rather not be reminded of it. I know for that reason, there are some people that just can't stand the prayer of confession at the beginning of worship. They just don't want to be reminded of that. Yet there's something about being honest that is helpful and healthy. Someone has said of Jesus, quoting a character in Shakespeare's Othello, he hath a daily beauty in his life that makes me ugly. He hath a daily beauty in his life that makes me ugly. Before his, perfect, before his perfect standard, we do feel ugly. And that quite naturally disturbs us. Or at least it should. He disturbs us by making us all too aware of all that we are not. To put it in negative form. But more importantly, positively, he also disturbs us by making us aware of all that you and I can be. There's a story of a traveling portrait painter who arrived in a small town and he hoped to make a few extra bucks and one of his clients of all people happened to be the town drunk. I guess this guy was desperate for a little bit of money and so he's the town drunk 
was the one that he was, who was to be painted. And in spite of his dirty, unshaven face and his ragged clothing, he sat for his portrait with all the dignity he could muster. And after the artist, who labored a little bit longer than usual, uh, finished the painting, he took the painting off the easel and, and presented it to the man. And the man said, well, that isn't me. I mean, looking at the painting, this man was smiling and he looked good and was well clothed. He said, but that's not me. But the artist who was able to look beneath the man's exterior to, and saw his inner beauty, he thoughtfully replied, but it's the person you can be. If Jesus reminds us of all that we are not, he also reminds us of all that we can be, what we, we, what we were originally created for. The very quality of Jesus' life makes us to want what he has. There's something about Jesus that moves us to want to be like him, to live better lives, to live up to our high calling, to reach our full potential as human beings. He stirs us up to want to be more loving, more caring, more trusting in God, more obedient to his word, more fully ourselves as God meant for us to be. But in so doing, he makes us uncomfortable with life as we are living it. We know we are called to a better life, to a higher life. So the Lord disturbs us by reminding us of our shortcomings and the same time of our great potential in him. But our Lord also disturbs us by the call of human need. He makes us aware of the need to care for others. He troubles our consciences so that the burdens and the needs of others become our own. And here is where the townspeople in our story refused to be disturbed. Jesus called them to care for this man who had been healed. He had now been restored to community, to his family. Now they were going to, to, uh, to care for him and to love him. But instead, all they could think about was their pigs, their lost property. I suppose the townspeople would want to have the man healed, but not at such a high price. I mean, all those pigs... And their callousness is scandalous, really. To the Jews, the pig was the lowest form of animal life. They were unclean and disgusting. But to them, the life of this man wasn't worth the life of a few pigs. They were putting pigs before people. And that's what lies at the heart of so much human suffering. People putting pigs before people. People caring more for personal property, for land, and material things than for human beings. To use the words of Tony Campolo, we wonder, who switched the price tags? Jesus Christ calls you and me to costly service of others. But we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay the price? Is it worth it in terms of our time and our attention, making the effort? Are you and I willing to give up our own comfort to come to the aid of another? Or is it rather our tendency to say, please don't disturb. I got my own life, got my own problems. Don't disturb. Jesus, it seems, loves to disturb us. Admittedly, his word can sometimes be hard for you and for me to swallow. Sometimes there's a bite to his words. 
If there, is an, if there is ever an edge to the sermon that makes you squirm a little bit in the chairs, it's his fault, not mine. <laughs> and in his eyes, there is nothing worse than, than self-contentment, complacency, being satisfied with things as they are, that's stagnation and death. Someone has written a short prayer entitled, Disturb Us, Lord. Perhaps we ought to make it our own. It goes like this. Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams come true only because we dreamed too little. When we arrive safely only because we sailed too close to the shore. When with the abundance of things we are losing our thirst for more of God or a concern for others. When in loving time, we have ceased to dream of eternity. When in, when in our desire to build on this earth, we have lost our vision of a new heaven. The townspeople in our story had no vision, no movement. They refused to budge. They were disturbed, all right, but it meant a radical change in their lifestyle. It meant placing people before property, people before pigs, and they said to Jesus, leave our neighborhood. Leave us alone. You're interfering with our business. You're cutting into our profits. Lord, leave. That's quite a prayer to utter, actually. Lord, leave me alone. It's actually one of the worst prayers we can pray, actually. Leave me alone. Of course, you and I wouldn't say that to the Lord in so many words. But whenever we fail to, to heed the call to serve our neighbor, whenever we fail to obey Jesus' word, Whenever we settle for what is second best in life, remaining content with things as they are, then for all intents and purposes, we are telling the Lord, please leave our neighborhood. Do not disturb. And it's kind of a dangerous prayer because the Lord seems to honor such requests. When the townspeople asked Jesus to leave, he left. He didn't force himself upon them. But what a tragedy for that town. Just think what Jesus could have done for them if instead they had begged him to stay. Just a few more days. Blessing upon blessing would have been theirs. Our Lord will not force himself upon any of us. But he comes to us nevertheless, knocking on the door of our hearts. How will we respond? Will we beg him to leave? Or will we invite him in? Jesus Christ, the great disturber of our souls. Amen.